This is Christine Peterson with A Toolkit for a Better Life. In this podcast, we will focus on how our bodies and our minds work and give you various tips and tricks, tools and techniques for understanding yourself, being happier in yourself and living a better life. Every week, we will discuss different topics that might interest you and help you think differently to change the way you approach life and yourself. We talk about the little things that make a big difference. Hello. Today I'm talking with Mason de Chauchot, my friend and colleague, who shares many of my interests in how our minds and bodies function and how small changes can make a big difference in how we live our lives. How are you today, Mason? Fine, thanks. It's always a pleasure to be here. It is indeed. It's lovely to talk to you again. So today we are going to be talking about heartbreak. That's right. And uh, there, there, are two, there are actually two aspects to that, aren't there? Yes, there are. Absolutely. There's, of course, the emotional and the physiological aspect, uh, the feeling we have when we have heartbreak. And then there's also the purely physical aspect. Exactly. Yeah, indeed. Uh, it's even considered a syndrome aptly called broken heart syndrome. Hmm. It's also known as stress-induced cardiomyopathy. It's a real medical condition that can develop after a stressful event, a breakup, a serious accident, or a loved one's death, or intense emotional stress, uh, such as actually what we lived through, living through the pandemic, such as the COVID-19 one. Uh, we had to endure that for two years. Uh, and unfortunately, it may not even be completely over. Mm. So, Christine, because um, we looked at this together, of course, mm. uh, why don't you list for us um, the physical symptoms of cardiomyopathy? Yes, there are several symptoms of cardiomyopathy or broken heart syndrome. And the most important ones are having sudden severe chest pain, which is also called angina. And that's a main symptom. You can also have shortness of breath, which is another main symptom. And then you can have a weakening of the left ventricle of one's heart. That's a main sign. You can have fluid in the lungs and irregular heartbeats, which is also called arrhythmia. And you might have low blood pressure, which is called hypotension. Yeah, you know, for the most part, I didn't realize that heartbreak could be that tragically physical. Yeah, me neither. I always thought of it, yeah, I always thought of it as being psychological, emotional. The physical aspect was brought to my attention about seven years ago. When my father was hospitalized in the geriatric ward towards the end of his life at the age of 95, he was almost 96, uh, and he suffered from Lewy body dementia. Now, in the ward, um, there was an elderly Italian man who kept crying out, mio cuore, mio cuore, my heart, my heart. I was told that he was heartbroken because his wife had passed away a couple of years ago, uh, but I was surprised to see him surrounded by medical equipment and all sorts of surveillance monitors. I would have expected, you know, psychologists, social workers, but not cardiologists and medical treatment. Hmm. Um, it's that when I, it's, you know, it's when I really learned that the loss of his wife had actually caused him to experience life-threatening uh, 
cardiomyopathy. <laughs> he had a real heart problem. Wow. So, um, Christine, let's let's turn to the emotional and psychological effects of, of um, mm -hmm. and aspects of heartbreak. For example, um, you remember we were reading a Jennifer Kelman, a licensed mm -hmm. clinical social worker and life coach, who says that uh, heartbreak can lead to appetite changes, uh, lack of motivation, uh, weight loss or weight gain, um, overeating, in other words, really, as well, headaches, stomach pain, uh, basically a general sense of being unwell. Yeah, yes, Mason. In fact, studies show that your brain registers the emotional pain of heartbreak in the same way as physical pain, which is why you might feel like your heartbreak is causing actual physical hurt. Just look at the language we use to describe heartbreak. So things like, I feel that my heart's being ripped out, or it was gut-wrenching, or like a slap in the face. And these all hint at the way that we associate physical pain with emotional pain. Then there's the hormonal side, and, and that's one of your special areas of study. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So love can be addictive, like a drug because the hormones that our brain releases when we become really attached to someone or to something. In fact, we get dopamine and oxytocin in particular, which are the hormones that make us feel good and want us to repeat behaviors. And these are released at really high levels when we're in love. Then when heartbreak happens, these hormone levels drop and they're replaced with the stress hormone cortisol. Now, as I've said in other uh, podcast. Cortisol is designed to support our body's fight or flight response. And if we have too much cortisol over a period of time, this can contribute to anxiety, to nausea, to acne, and to weight gain. And these are all the, uh, and all those unpleasant mental and physical symptoms that are associated with heartbreak. Yeah. Uh, these are the aspects which we classically, I would say, associate with having a broken heart. So um, let me open up the subject with some views by people you know well, of course, Esther Perel, mm. a Belgian psychotherapist. Uh, she's explored the tension between our need for security and our need for freedom. Mm -hmm. uh, she's also a New York Times bestselling author. Uh, she's recognized as today's, uh, well, one of the most uh, insightful people today in original voices on modern relationships. Yeah, in fact, we can find a lot of her talks on TED Talks and YouTube, and she's got a couple of podcasts as well that, that we can listen to. Very, Absolutely. very interesting, interesting women, yeah. So, so Perel recognizes that heartbreak is traumatic. She even says that it's raw pain mm -hmm. and that there's no way to circumvent that. However, she does emphasize that in difficult relationships, we sometimes need to recognize that our relationship may be truly over. Mm. However, that does not mean that we are over. Our lives continue. So she spends time talking about rituals which um, emphasize act, acts of, of, uh, of closure to help us. Mm. Um, there, there are many different rituals. We know that when a relationship is over, we, uh, we often remove the personal effects of the person we've broken off with. Uh, that removes, hopefully, the remnants of the relationship which otherwise would be left behind. Mm. Uh, then she talks a lot about self-care and self-nurturing. All this is, is pretty intuitive in a way. Uh, she advises us to do what we love. For example, um, if we enjoyed going out to plays or movies with our partners, uh, we shouldn't stop. 
On the contrary, we should do it alone and regard it as something meaningful and precious, which we're bestowing to ourselves. Uh, Perel also warns us to be on the lookout when we are in a relationship for signs, attitudes, and behaviors, which may indicate that the relationship is at risk. Mm, yeah, in fact, in that sense, she'd like to see people preserve their relationships rather than have them collapse and then have to come to her with problems of heartbreak and also have to live through the heartbreak. Um, I noticed that she highlights four qualities which break a relationship. Mm. So the first quality is indifference when people become invisible to each other. The second one is neglect, where everything is prioritized except for the relationship and the couple. The third one is complacency, wherein everything is taken for granted. And the final one, unfortunately, is violence with disrespect and even abuse. Yeah, complacency is actually insidious. It's, yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's nasty. Yeah. Yes, it is. It absolutely is. Of course, violence. violence is terrible when it gets to that level, or if it gets to that level. Now, hopefully people leave before uh, this goes into that level, if ever, thank God. So Perel, in fact, has a high regard for Guy Winch, who got his PhD yep. in clinical psychology from New York University. And he completed several years of postdoctoral work in family systems. He's written a new book that's called Emotional First Aid, Practical Strategies for Treating Failure, Rejection, Guilt, and Other Everyday Psychological Injuries. That's a bit of a title. Um, he suggests a simple but revolutionary idea that applying emotional first aid to common psychological injuries when we first sustain them would have a powerful impact on our mental health, on our emotional resilience and our physical health. So get in there before the injuries become too deep. He uses cutting edge psychological science to illustrate the surprising ways that seven common psychological injuries can impact our behavior, our mood, our cognitive functioning, and our physical health. Now, the seven psychological injuries are rejection, loneliness, yeah. loss, guilt, rumination, failure, and bouts of low self-esteem. I'm sure we've all had one or another of these psychological issue, injuries in our lives. He also provides practical tools for treating these. Now, Guy Winch warns us that at some point in our lives, almost every one of us will have our heart broken, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah he really has dedicated a lot of time to, to heartbreak in particular. And over 20 years of private practice, mm. Winch has seen people of every age and background face every manner of heartbreak. And what he's learned is when your heart was broken, this is what's interesting. When your heart is broken, the same instincts you ordinarily rely on uh, will time and time again lead you down the wrong path, mm. you, you, which means you cannot really trust what your mind is telling you at that time. Mm. Yeah, well, that tells us that heartbreak is far more insidious than we actually realize. There's a reason we keep going down one rabbit hole after another, even when we know it's going to make us feel worse. Brain studies have shown that the withdrawal of romantic love activates the same mechanism in our brain that get act, gets activated when addicts are withdrawing from substances like cocaine or opioids. And this comes back to what I said before, that when we're in love, we have higher levels of dopamine and oxytocin. 
And when we can no longer be in love with the other person, we have withdrawal symptoms from those hormones. And this, of course, is what makes heartbreak so difficult to heal. Addicts know that they're addicted. They know when they're shooting up. But heartbroken people do not. Yeah. yeah. So if your heart is broken, you can't ignore it. You've got to recognize that as compelling as the urge is, with every trip down memory, memory lane, every text you send, every second you spend stalking your ex on social media, you're just feeding your addiction. You're deepening your emotional pain and complicating your recovery. Yeah, it's true. Uh, Winch is really telling us that heartbreak is a master manipulator. Mm. Uh, the ease with which it gets our mind to do the absolute opposite of what we need to do in order to recover is remarkable. One of the most common tendencies we have when our heart is broken is to idealize, of course, the person who broke it. We can spend hours remembering their smile, how great they made us feel, the time we hiked up that mountain and made love uh, under the stars. All that does is make our loss feel more painful. Mm. We know that. Yet we still allow our mind to cycle through one great hit after another. It's almost like we're being held hostage by our own passive-aggressive Spotify playlist. Mm -hmm. I like that image, yeah. And of course, Winch tells us to avoid idealizing the person whom we are heartbroken about. So we have to balance things out by remembering their frown, not just their smile, how bad they made us feel. The fact that after the lovemaking, for example, we got lost coming down the mountain, we argued like crazy, <laughs> and we didn't speak for two days. So he recommends that we make an exhaustive list of everything that went wrong, everything that didn't work. If we can do it, um, but the problem is, of course, being addicts, it's very difficult at that mm. point to be able to do it. Uh, it's, it's certainly helpful. It certainly makes sense. Mm. I also think that when we're suffering from heartbreak, we forget what it's like to have fun. And here's where, in this regard, I'd like to uh, bring in Catherine Price, the speaker, consultant, award-winning science journalist. Um, she reminds us that fun is a feeling. It's not just an activity. Because people, when you say, you know, remember when you had fun, you'll say, well, I did this, I did that, and so on. It's not just an activity. What counts about, feel, about uh, having fun is the feeling of having fun. It's the feeling that we experience. Uh, and for that, there must be three ingredients. And this, this I like. Um, uh, the three ingredients are flow, mm -hmm. uh, then connection, usually with another person, really thinks it's with another person, and then playfulness, lightheartedness. Yeah, that's really nice. Yeah, Price reminds us that having fun is an extremely important ingredient to leading a healthier life. So Mason, what do you feel should be the takeaway from our discussion today? Well, uh, going back in what we were saying, let's see. The, first of all, the realization that a broken heart syndrome is also known as stress-induced uh, cardiomyopathy, and therefore it's a real medical condition. Uh, that can, that's important. It's a real medical condition that's physical and can develop after mm -hmm. a stressful event. Yeah, and that even emotional reactions to heartbreak show that our brains register the trauma in the same way as physical pain. Yeah. Then, there, of course, there's the hormonal side to love and to heartbreak. Love can be ad addictive, like a drug. Because of the hormones, our brain releases when we become really attached to someone or something. Dopamine and oxytocin in particular are ho hormones which make us feel good and want to repeat behavior. And these are released at elevated levels when we're in love. 
Then when the heartbreak happens, these hormone levels drop and they're replaced with the stress hormone cortisol. Yeah. And then, as Esther Perrin advises us, when a relationship is over, we can remove the personal effects of a person we've broken off with. That removes remnants of the relationship, which otherwise would be left behind. But she also recommends that that's not enough. She recommends real self-care and self-nurturing. I don't know if that actually replaces the hormones, but in a way, yes. I suppose you'd agree with that. Uh, uh, that if you self-love. involve yourself in with self-care and self-nurturing, that, that you are, in fact, uh, bringing in maybe some dopamine and oxytocin. You absolutely are. Just the fact of putting cream on your body, the fact mm. that you are so taking a warm bath or a warm shower or a refreshing shower when it's really hot, and then putting on body lotion, just the fact of rubbing lotion into your skin will have oxytocin being produced in the body. So right. we can actually do things to create these, to get these hormones um, in the body, in the mind, produced in the mind. Now, Guy Winch would like us to not idealize a relationship which has ended, but to instead make an exhaustive list of everything that went wrong, everything that didn't work. Yeah. So there we have the, the defensive stance. Mm. And then I, uh, finally, we have Catherine Price, who tells us, yes, we, we, can, we can defend ourselves against heartbreak and, and you know, try and really remove the causes uh, as well as self-nurturing. But we should deliberately and conscientiously seek to have fun. Yes. Yes. Get our sense of humor back. I think very often we lose our sense of humor in the heartbreaks. That's true. With the shards. So I would say that sums it up rather nicely. Thanks a lot, Mason. Yep. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. You've been listening to A Toolkit for a Better Life, produced by Christine Peterson. For more information and details on how to contact us, please see the podcast description.